0: Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Roll for Persuasion. I'm Andrew. This is my show where I chat with nerdy people about the nerdy things they do and uh, how their nerdiness affects their creativity and their projects. And I'm super excited to have an incredibly nerdy and creative person in all the best ways with me today. We will get to him in just a moment. But before we do, a little bit of quick business. As those of you who have seen or listened to the podcast uh, know, this show is brought to you by some very fantastic people over at Hero Forge, if you are a big fan of tabletop gaming, like I am, Hero Forge is the best place to go to get the little miniatures uh, for your game. Hero Forge actually lets you make color miniatures. You can go on, you can paint them digitally. It's crazy. I don't know how they do it. It's some sort of weird eldritch magic but they come printed in that color. It's insane. It's wonderful. Um, so check them out, go to heroforge.com to see all the amazing things you can do with those miniatures. Super cool people. We appreciate their support of the show. They make sure it comes to you each and every week. So big thank you to them and, uh, let them help you make your games. Awesome. Speaking of awesomeness, I think now would be a great time to bring in my guest. I'm super excited to have him on the show today. Um, he is an actor, a singer, a writer, a man of uh, innumerable talents. It is such a pleasure to welcome Anthony Rapp to the show today. Anthony, how is it going?
1: Pretty well, thank you. Greetings from Toronto, Ontario, Canada.
0: What is it? Is it cold up there? I just assume Canada is cold all the time.
1: It, it's cold now. It's not as cold as it was, but yeah, it's chilly. It's you know, chilly, yeah. chilly.
0: Um, how are you doing? Thank you so much for, for joining us on the show today.
1: I'm very well, thank you. I'm in the middle of uh, filming season four of Star Trek Discovery up here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to be working in these bananas times um and i'm really using my downtime of which there's more than usual um sure to like dig deep and hard into nerdy passions so thank you for letting me do that
0: yeah i'm excited to uh to chat about some of those today speaking of nerdy passions does it ever get old or weird or does the shock value ever go away of getting to say the words i am in blank filming star trek
1: it never gets old i mean i'm used to it i'm sure. accustomed to it but it's it's still bananas it's still kind of nuts that that this entered my life I, you know as as a nerd as a little kid yeah um i watched the sh- the original series after school um in the 70s growing up i watched the original movies in the movie theaters mm-hmm. when they came out in the late 70s early 80s and that Like that in Star Wars and like Super Friends and all those like comic books, like I always yeah. thought of myself, even though I was acting as a little kid, I never thought, oh I'm going to be in those things someday. I just was like, I love reading about them and enjoying being an audience member yeah so when it when it literally came out of nowhere, I didn't even know they were doing a new Star Trek show because it was so top secret maybe maybe nerd people knew you know I was someone
0: on a forum somewhere, yeah,
1: yeah. but uh when it, like I just got a call in them like practically in the middle of the night like west coast time i was going to bed east coast time and i saw an email from my manager saying how how do you feel about being in a new star trek show it was it was all just so strange and wonderful yeah um and utterly surprising so yeah i haven't gotten over that at all um i do feel in a way that i was kind of prepared for aspects of being a part of something like this in the sense of even though rent and star trek they're not the same but what they both share is that Tremendously passionate and dedicated fan community. Mm. And they both are pieces of art that have impacted culture. Sure. Yeah. That transcends just the fact that they're like a little piece of entertainment. They've helped shape people's lives. So I feel in some ways being a part of Rent helped me know what that is. And Gave me an opportunity to kind of step into those, walk through that door with, um, a sense of knowing what I was getting into. Also, one of my very closest friends has been a huge Trek fan forever. Like I, I loved it, but he was like, you know, hardcore, like, right. He was mimeographing newsletters back in the seventies when, do you know what, do you know what mimeographing is?
0: I, I'm, I'm familiar. I mean, not functionally, I have read about
1: it. So he, he helped like, um ground me also in even knowing more than i already knew when i got the job i he he helped curate a list of shows of episodes to watch of the other series that i'd never seen stuff like that um and then it's just getting to meet all the different actors from all the different versions at conventions um and stuff like that it's a it's a wonderful community it's a wonderful community of fans but it's also a wonderful community of actors and creators of the show that have that have that have carried this legacy on for all these years
0: and and just in case someone doesn't know when you're watching or you're listening on the podcast version um you do play lieutenant commander paul stamets on star is it stamets am i pronouncing your last stamets, name yeah. okay on, on star trek discovery um and you originated the role of mark cohen on rent i imagine that very few actors have the opportunity to be in a cultural phenomenon once in their mm-hmm. careers right and, yes. and here you are, like you kind of mentioned um, later on in your career, and in a second one. Like, like what is what is that like to have had that, you know, twice now? And are you going to get a third?
1: I mean, I don't know. I, it just feels like a total bonus round experience, though. Yeah, just like that's that's all I can say. And I, I was not expecting it, and I'm completely grateful, and I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: My my rent story because uh, I'm fairly young, so I didn't get to to see it when it was originally on Broadway, was my introduction was the film um, in high school. And I was, I was a big fan of musicals and someone uh, showed me Rent one night and I was, I was hooked. And you know, as I'm sure thousands and thousands of other people have just singing it nonstop and it was a huge impact on me. And then I was lucky enough to actually get to see it when you guys uh, toured in 2009, you came to Houston. Yeah. And I even got uh, your and Adam's autograph on my Playbill afterwards and that was amazing. And that went in my college dorm and then I moved out and who the hell knows what happened to it. But I think about it from time to time. I'm like, Oh, that was, that was rough. But yeah, it's so interesting to see a story that, that transcends. I mean, it was so timely. Yeah, Obviously it was before my time a little bit, but just reading and and knowing the history of of the AIDS epidemic and um, it was so timely at that time, but it still resonates so strongly now, so many years later. Um, I'm sure you've answered this question a thousand times, but, but what is it that you think that has given it such staying power, uh, beyond maybe even just the creativity and the musicality? What is it about the story that makes it resonate with people here? What, what how many years? It's later? 20,
1: 20, 20, It's the 25th anniversary, anniversary this year. Um, I think that it tells the truth. I think that work works of art that tell the truth about the human experience. They're the ones that last, um, And I think it tells the truth. I think it tells the truth about what it's like to be young and facing a crisis. I think it tells the truth about what it what's required of people to come together as a community in the face of a crisis. And I think it tells the truth about the the challenges of of living a full life in the face of an uncertain future. Mm -hmm. And I think that that just that just transcends space and time. And it's based on you know Laboem, which is over 100 years old. Yeah. And that's that still resonates. So it, you know, it just reaches back and it reaches forward, and it's very much of its time. You know, it takes it takes place specifically right before the protease inhibitors changed the face of living with HIV for mm-hmm. so many people. It, you know, at the time when Jonathan was writing, it was still more or less seen as a death sentence for for most people, um, even though that wasn't quite totally true. But that was certainly the perception. Sure. Um, so yeah, even though it's, it's, low, it's a period piece, but it also has these themes that, are, that, that transcend that period. Um, and then I think that music communicates on a whole other level than words alone do. Right. So, you know, I mean, I've heard so many stories over the years of very, very young children in particular being totally captivated by the music of Rent, which is fascinating to me. And like wanting their, like their, their parents listen to it in the car and then they go, oh no, I'm listening to a show that has you know, F, the F-bomb version, but the kids are like hooked by it. Yeah. There's something about the music that just connects, connects to people's hearts and souls. So it's that combination. I don't, you know, to, it probably is obvious, but I don't think it would have the staying power if it weren't a musical in the sense that the, the, not that the themes aren't meaningful and the characters aren't relevant, but that the music just takes it to that extra level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just the, the perfect... The absolute perfect storm of timing the power of the storytelling the, the the music and the composition obviously the cast um the direction i'm sure i'm sure being in it, the crew every bit every little piece it's like uh you know a sports analogy would be when you have just the perfect mix of players playing at the right time right. in the right place and you know they go on this amazing win streak yep. um just getting all those ingredients <laughs> literally lightning in a bottle
1: really yeah that's what it felt like to be yeah. a part of it it's, and i feel like hamilton is the modern Mm. equivalent of what we went through 25 years ago. Um, And as a lover of Hamilton and sitting in the audience of Hamilton, I feel like I kind of retroactively got a taste of what rent was for so many people. I knew what rent was for me being in it, but as an audience member, taking Hamilton in, I was like, if this is at all what people felt watching rent, I'm even more because the comparison was made and I think it's an apt comparison. Sure. Yeah. but just that, that experience, the, the, the sort of, and I couldn't stop listening to Hamilton. I mean, and people, and I had a friend who, she's a documentary filmmaker. She's not, you know, she would not consider herself a huge fangirl of anything. She's, she's cool, she's fun, but she's like, you know, pretty serious. And she called me up at one point in 1996 after the, the, she'd seen the show and she loved it. And then mm-hmm. when, the, when the album came out, she called me. She's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't stop listening. She's like, this is not like me. And that's how I was with Hamilton. Yeah. You know, so it's like those stories, I, I feel like I can reach back in time and take them in on an even deeper level now.
0: Yeah, how fantastic to be able to have that dual experience like you were talking about, of, of uh, sitting in the audience versus being on the stage. And just the appreciation I imagine you have of knowing um, what goes into a production of that level.
1: Yes. Right. And Lin-Manuel Miranda um, has very specifically and explicitly said that rent was what changed his life. Yeah. And what drove him to become a musical theater writer. And so, you know, all those factors, just the, the, the circle of that is, is very, very powerful. That's fantastic.
0: Well, let's, let's take that back. You mentioned earlier, growing up as a, as a somewhat nerdy kid, um, this, this show, my show is somewhat loosely grounded in the fact that I love playing Dungeons and Dragons and I like talking with people in different capacities who uh, have a similar enjoyment of the storytelling potential of games. Um, I know I've seen you tweet the, that you play in a D&D game.
1: I'm playing, um, you're I'm playing
0: in two games right playing now. Playing in two games. Yeah. You, sometimes people struggle to find one game and here you are, here you are with two. What an embarrassment of riches.
1: I know, so lucky. And, but like it's like weirdly thanks to COVID because... I, I just didn't have any, I didn't know of anyone in my circles in, you know, in where I was living at, at any particular time that was into it. And then it just, so it just seemed like out of reach or overwhelming. So I didn't even really pursue it. Yeah. But then through my fiance, Ken, a mutual, like his, one of his good friends has become a friend of mine and, um, he was starting up a game and, and we had talked about it a couple of years ago in passing, but he yeah. lived in LA. And so, you know, I, what am I going to do? And so, to, because of COVID, he started a game that was played on Zoom. Yeah, and he's like, "Would you like to play?" It's like, "Of course!" So, um, it was. It's and in the meantime, I'd played like Baldur's Gate and I played sure. Dragon Dragon Ages and specifically D anD but you know, it's pretty much D anD Yeah. So I'd gotten my fix in that way, but it's not. You know, playing a video game is not the same thing, really, as playing your own story, yeah. your yeah. own character with your with the, with people who were all making it up together as we go right. along, kind of thing.
0: So is this, was this the first time you got to play in a, in a D&D game?
1: Um, since Did you I was a little any, kid. Since you were a little kid, yeah. So when I was a little kid, with my friends and I, who were all nerds, um, we were super disorganized. We were really young. I think maybe we were 12, if not. Mm-hmm. Maybe even younger. So we would like get together. We'd talk about it. We'd like, look at maps. We'd make characters. but. Maybe we do like one little dungeon crawl thing, but we never did a campaign. We just were never, I would, I would sit at home looking through the monster manual. I would sit at home reading the player's handbook. And then I just remember just rolling millions of characters, like being fascinated by that. Yeah, And that is something that I'm still doing, whether or not I ever play any of them, I don't know, but, um, so I loved all of those aspects of it, but I never got to really play until now, like yeah. 40, almost 40 years later. Which is, you know, I'll take it better late than never.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was I, I tell people I was very D adjacent growing up. I I was a huge nerd, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, whatever. Um, and just didn't even know that DD existed. And I didn't even play until a couple of years ago. And and just like whenever you find it, that telling of a story with people at a table dynamically telling your story, yeah. uh, there like you said, it's it's not the same as a video game. It's better yeah. in my opinion. There's just something magical about it.
1: And in this case, you know, I love games of all kinds. I play video games. I love games and I, and I love the game aspect of D and D. Certainly I love all the rules. I love knowing all the little intricacies and the, and I love how much variety there is, but I've been wonderfully surprised and happily surprised at how much the role playing aspect has been even more rewarding than I would have anticipated. I, I didn't think of that as much as being like the draw for me because I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I get to do that for a living. Um, so, like, games are a really fun escape, but so it doesn't feel like work at all. Playing D&D, not at all, at all. Sure. But the the opportunity to create a character and live that character moment to moment without having a script, um, you know, I'd done some improv stuff, but to have the opportunity to do that over time with fellow people, some of whom are actors, some of whom aren't, in the mm-hmm. different games I'm playing, um, that's been a, a wonderful gift and i'm and i'm just starting now dip my toe and um coming up with the i want to i want to try my hand at being a dm also um but i want to do it i would like to to get to do it live like in in the in safe safe ways when when it's when it's safe to do so um and i've just started to dip my toe in like thinking of what kind of campaign i want to do and i that had seemed also like super intimidating but now it's actually feeling kind of more and more accessible yeah and fun to contemplate like the themes, because the game aspect I do love. Like I said, I love that stuff. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But the themes and the ideas and what you can explore, that's right. becoming the thing that, that I'm even right. more excited about.
0: And that's what as like as a game, I think, makes it so appealing and so cross generational and have such staying power. Um in role play games in general, obviously D's the the big one everybody knows because it's been around. But the fact that it can be so many things to so many people. I love playing it because uh, I used to do theater and acting all the time and I don't get to anymore. And it scratches that itch. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and as, as well as it can, uh, and I get to, you know, throw magic around and do all that fun, nerdy stuff. Um, some people, you know, love, like you said, world building and telling a a grand story. Some people just love feeling really powerful. Um, it's such an impressive tool. It can be used in so many ways. I've, I've had someone on previously, uh, a psychologist who uses it in therapy, um, like group sessions with like 12 and 13 year old girls. And she says, it's just been one of the most powerful tools for helping them address um, trauma and different experiences they've been through. And, and, and I love that. I love it can be used for so many things.
1: I was going to say one of the, when we were chatting before, you know, the, coming on to the interview, I do believe it's been tremendous for my mental health and also I know for sure it's been great for the mental health of the people I'm playing with just in this time. Um Mm. and I think that's part of the reason it's been so explosive in growth during the pandemic is that it's becoming really clear that the opportunity to pour yourself into a a, you know fantasy realm but one in which you can really live inside of it and create Mm. something and have the chance to travel places and Do things you can't do, I think is really, really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think escape can be avoidant, which maybe always isn't healthy, but escape can also allow you to sort of process through things and have catharsis and do things that are important for mental. So it's amazing to hear that that's actually being used, utilized by mental health professional because I think it's 100% true.
0: Yeah. My, my wife is also a uh, mental health professional. She's a licensed professional counselor, and we will often have conversations after our game of like, oh, you kinda, "Were you kind of, were you kind of bringing up, were you bringing something to the <laughs> to the table?" Yeah, I was. I was. I didn't know how to work through that like during the day, but weirdly enough, it showed up in my character. Like, it's funny. Yeah, but it's it's such a safe space for that.
1: My, char- my character in the in the discovery game because there's like a game I'm playing with cast members. Oh um, yeah. Uh, my character there the other day like he was he was confronting someone in a way that i don't know that i would have guts to do myself mm. but it just came so naturally in the moment and i like that's that's who he is he's going to like call somebody out and that's something that i'm not always great at so yeah i think that uh, somehow i was kind of like funneling that energy in my, maybe even learning from him
0: yeah but what, what's been what's been interesting for me in, in one of my games is I tend to be a very, um, I'm very extroverted. Uh, I'm very outgoing. I love being the center of attention and chatting and being dramatic and all that fun stuff. And so uh, a character I'm playing currently, I was like, I need to learn to not be that person. Cause Mm. all my characters had been that they were like 18 and charisma and we're gonna, you know, woohoo. And, uh, and that's been Mm. a really great experience for me because, um, for, for lots of ways, like personally, even just as learning to be a listener Mm. right at the table versus, being the ham so like my character wouldn't run over this scene so i have to sit back and listen and have other people's backs and so yeah it's just a great it's a great way to you know identify things you need to grow into it's cool yep i want to jump back to star trek really quick um because i i grew up a huge star wars fan and for whatever reason that's what I went with. And I remember the first time I watched the first Star Trek movie and I was just like, there's so many slow panning shots (laughs) of the outside of this goddamn ship. If they would just tell me what's going on inside of the ship. Like as like an eight year old kid, I was like, it has been an hour. Why are there whales? What? Anyway. um, yeah. So, so I've only recently started trying to get into Star Trek, watching the older movies and trying to watch next generation now. Yeah. Um, so I haven't even watched any of discovery, but, um, I, I've found such an appreciation for the type of storytelling that is done in the show and, and the kind of stories that are told um, in, in ways that I think Star Wars hasn't necessarily been able to. And yeah. this isn't a one versus the other, but yeah, yeah. it just there's a very there's a very human element to Star Trek um, as far as telling stories and, and dealing with um, dealing with truth, kind of like you talked about with Rent. Yeah, and I was just wondering what has your experience been? being within that and now being part of telling some of those stories has anything struck you from the inside that you maybe didn't see from the outside until you were working on it
1: well it's it's a fascinating mixture in star trek because the, at least in our version i don't know this has always been true of all the versions but in our version they really try to ground the the science in some science that that has basis in reality It become it could become Pretty theoretical, and they can sort of stretch it out. Sure, but that's really. Fa- I feel like I've opened my own. I've always been interested in science, but I feel like I've opened my eyes and mind and heart to science in a way that I didn't even appreciate before. Yeah, and I think that's one of the major differences between Trek and Wars is that Star Wars isn't really interested in that, which is again not a problem. It's just yeah, it's a different thing. Um, so it's it's given me gr- much greater appreciation of scientists and what they're how like how they uh, are drawn to the work they do and why they do the work they do and how important it is and how important it can be and how much it's shaped our world. I mean, I kind of knew it, but I didn't, I feel like I'm experiencing that now, yeah. in a whole new way, you know, watching, going back and watching like next gen, some of the best episodes also talk about, you know, stuff like human rights and freedom and morality sure. and ethics they use the, they use the lens of science fiction and this future world to, to examine those, those themes in a very deep and intense way. And I think that that's amazing to be a part of, of the legacy of, of that. Um, yeah. and again, you know, Star Wars is a little more sort of hero's journey, um, grand themes kind of stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't get into that as much again, a totally enjoyable, completely consuming as a, as a as an audience member yeah which is a different i understand why there's a sort of different avenue of of experience and community around the two different, different. i don't think that there has to be a divide between them by any means or sure. a gap they're they're different you know but they both they both have so much to offer um but yeah i mean it, star trek does kind of i don't know if it demand demand is quite the right word but um it's a different kind of pace usually uh and it's yeah it's a lot more talking <laughs> i mean although we do have like in discovery we do have some pretty intense action sequences also yeah you know it's part of it some space battles and some things right. or fights and stuff but it's a lot of it is character you know character driven and trying to work problems people coming together to work out problems with using their brains as much as if not more than their brawn yeah yeah i, th- I think that's great
0: Um, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe is your character, the first openly gay character in the Star Trek universe in the,
1: in the, in the series, there was in, in one of the JJ movies, there was a, um, Sulu is gay, but it's, it's, it's very brief and it's not really delved into, but, um, that's like, if you're getting really like nerd canon stuff, that's like a different, that's the Kelvin verse. So in the prime, you could say prime Star Trek universe. Stanis was the first openly gay character of any stripe, but certainly within the TV series. Yeah.
0: If, if you don't mind, what, what has that experience been like getting to, to bring that reality that hasn't, hasn't been put up on the screen for Star Trek fans up until you've been part of
1: doing that? I mean, it's been an honor to be a part of that and, and getting to know Jonathan Frakes, who was the original Riker. He's directed a bunch of our episodes, become a friend. He was talking like, back in Next Gen, they were agitating for that. Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry wanted it, but the network or, you know, people, uh, people on high were like, right, the world's not ready, you know. Um, so it's been, you know, even George Takei has shared that he was talking to Gene Roddenberry about it back in, in the late 60s. Yeah. Um, so it's to know that there's, it's, it's a, you know, it took, it took, frankly, maybe too long for it to happen, but sure. the fact that it did happen is an, is indeed an honor. And, Um, I feel incredibly fortunate to be working alongside an old friend and colleague of mine, Wilson Cruz, who I've known for almost, let's see, about 23, 24 years. Um, he, he replaced the original Angel on Broadway in Rent. So I've known, and I was still in the show at the time. So I've known him since then. And then to get to work with him on this, and we've both been out actors since the early days of our careers. So Mm -hmm. we've sort of, you know, been on the forefront of all that, um, to then be able to, to carry this flag now, um, it feels kind of like fate in a way, in a really cool way. And now, this past year, we we've also welcomed the the the, the franchise's first trans characters,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, a non-binary character Adira and a trans male character um, Gray, played by Blue Del Barrio and Ian Alexander. And that's been incredible to see how much they've been embraced. And again, it, you could say it took too long for Trek to have this. Sure. Now that we have it, is like all in, and yeah. as with everything else in Trek related to identity, the, these facts of people's identity is never a factor, a factor. Right. It's just part of who they are. Right. So it doesn't inter- interfere in any way with their ability, or there's no discrimination. It's you know, it's 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 envisioning a future in which all of these aspects of what it means to be alive are just part of life. Yeah. Um. And that's really important to represent to people. And I think, and certainly younger generations have, are very much leaning into that. You know, if you, if you believe polls and surveys about how younger people feel about these things. So yeah. it's a reflection of what's really happening. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's so, I mean, for so long representation of, of anything that wasn't like, you know, cis normative white dudes, was was used in media as as a storytelling point yeah. it's like this person is gay and how are they struggling with that and yeah. how is their life so difficult and you know here's a dis- discrimination they deal with or uh you know yeah. the the white friend trying to understand what it's like for his his black friend to experience racism yeah versus saying what if we portray a world where that's not what if we yeah. just show you what beauty and love and, and truth looks like right yeah
1: and, you know, and I do think it's important also, like historically, when we had a movie like Brokeback Mountain, I think that was a really beautiful film about the closet and the cost of the closet. And I mm-hmm. think that those stories do need to be told to be understood because there's nothing, you know, a cishet person doesn't really necessarily experience anything quite like what it is to live in the closet. Sure. So I think it's important and meaningful and it shouldn't be the only story. told. And for so long the stories related to queer life were mostly tragic. Um, and it's not to say that they're again, like right now there's, you know, black trans women are getting killed yeah. and that's a story that should be told. Yeah. It's not the only story that should be told. There's other, the black, there are also black trans women who are being supported and loved in their communities. But so just as long as it's not only one thing,
0: right. And and that's something too that I think going back to DD a little bit, uh, and with the pandemic especially, so many people have started putting their games online as productions. Obviously, with the success of Critical Role, there's a lot of opportunity for viewership there. And even specifically on Critical Role, people are getting the chance to to represent themselves and who they are in media that's being consumed by other people. And they're not we're no longer just limited to what um studios are putting out Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. We can go and consume content where where someone who has a similar experience to you or a, a similar um, reality as you gets to be that authentically where where maybe we didn't see that before and i think at least from what i've seen in D and role-playing streams in particular there's a huge acceptance and space for that i think that's that's a really great thing
1: i think there has to be and i think that D lends itself so beautifully to exploring um stereotypes and racism and systems of oppression and systems of you know norm normative behaviors and normative ways of thinking Mm -hmm. i think it's a great avenue to to explore and explode all those notions and i i I do wonder sometimes if if you know maybe there's some dms that maybe lean in a little too much to some of the tropes and they don't necessarily realize that oh maybe there's an opportunity for me to like reexamine some of these things right um but it's i think it's a great opportunity and, and i and i also love seeing that there's so many people of color and so many queer voices be, like agitating to be seen and heard in the in the in the space also because yeah. yeah i mean so much of fan and this is happening in fiction too because i do a lot of reading also mm-hmm. as my, part of my nerd stuff in the science fiction and fantasy space so much of it for so long especially fantasy was dominated by um you know european eurocentric stories understandably i mean it's the influence of j r, r. tolkien and lord of the rings was I mean, so monumental and influential right. but to see like n k jemison's work being so embraced and celebrated and that she's just she's just interrogating the hell out of of what we thought these stories needed to be and yeah. who we needed to populate these stories with yeah. i think that's thrilling to be alive for that
0: yeah that uh, that's yeah I, I can't even again as you know you're you're a standard run of the mill, uh, you know, straight white dude. Like, like I I get excited. Um, I do, I do have gay family members and and uh, lots of other friendships. But getting to see see them and hear them experience that, and like like you said, just getting to to read that or experience that in media in ways that they didn't previously, or even when I was growing up with my siblings, yeah. not a thing. And now that opportunity's there, and it's kind of that like. Now that's there, it's not going back. Like yeah. we're, we're not going to move backwards. Society's not going to let that happen.
1: I, and I agree. And part of it is that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily willful blindness. It was just blindness Right. In many, in many cases. Like, it didn't even occur to some of these writers. It, it's, not, it's not like they're terrible people for that. It's just that, you know, influences and ways they grew up, that it, it just wasn't pointed out. And now that part of being, you know, I know it's maybe cliche to say being woke, but once you're awake to something, you can't unsee it. Right. And I think that it's, we're all going to be the better for it in the long run.
0: Absolutely. Um, you, I, I mentioned a minute ago, uh, critical role and I'll jump yes. back to that because I've seen you, I've seen you tweet about it and I always enjoy talking. I'm wearing a critical role shirt and critical role hat cause I buy too much of their merch. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> you know, from, as for many people, critical role was foundational in me beginning to play Dungeons and Dragons mm. and learn the game, believe that I could put something creatively out into the world. And, and yep. so, you know, tip of the hat to them um but how did how did you come to uh, begin watching uh, cr and be a critter and, and all that fun stuff what's your story
1: so my friend noah uh who's my dm in the disco the discovery game which called disco does D game uh he was watching the hell out of it and he's like i think you might enjoy it as we because i'd already been playing my other game with my friend mark as the dm mm-hmm. um and i think i'd heard about it and i think i like i did my toe a little bit in the very first episode that was shared of season one, but the audio was kind of rough. And I was like, I don't yeah. know if I can, I don't know if I can hang with this right now. But then Noah was one who said season two is much like the, like that stuff won't bother you. So you can just get into it. I was right. like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then, yeah, it, you know, I was like, I was enjoying it. And then like, I think like episode seven is the one that just like the, that, the, the everything just like clicked for me. <laughs> like, oh, it was that's the one where she yeah. I think yeah, it's seven. Um, there was, it was Shakasta. It was the stuff with him and not at the end of the episode. It was the mm-hmm. stuff with Caleb in the episode that just was like, Oh, it, this, this is going deep. Yeah. Um, you know, cause, uh, I, at first I just wasn't sure if it was going to be a little bit too inside, insidery somehow right. or insulated yeah. somehow. And then I, and then I get, immediately started to appreciate, Oh, there's many de- I have to. I can really trust that this, there are threads here and, and, and rivers that are making their way through this, that, that are quite spectacularly yeah. profound, you know? Um, so that was when I got really moved by it and hooked, hooked. And then there've been several like huge peak moments since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, it's just, there's so much content. So I'm slow. Because I'm working, it's hard to you know. I wanna I wanna watch every second of it too. I'm not gonna like ever sort of speed through something. Sure. So you know, a four hour episode. You know, I try to do at least a, a chunk a yeah. week if I can, because I wanna get. I really wanna be up to speed with it. Yeah. You know, and be a part of the community. But I, I'm also really good at avoiding spoilers. Like I'm. I I, I that is the, a
0: skill in and of itself.
1: Not that I want to evoke her name because I'm so mad at her, but I read the Harry Potter books late. And mm-hmm. I avoided all spoilers. Like I really did. I, yeah. I, you know, so same kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm avoiding spoilers, you know? And so when I, when I post these things, thankfully the critter, the, the critter community understands this, they never try to say like, well, you're wrong because the, I don't theorize anyway, but you know, yeah. so, yeah. so today I just watched it. W- I was just in the middle of watching. I haven't finished yet the episode where we learn the huge bombshell about knots past. Oh, I think that's yeah. where I am right now. Yeah. Like anyway.
0: It's, al- it's almost better to be in that place because, uh, once you get caught up, then you just have to wait. Yes. And if they take a week off, which they should, cause God bless them. They, they put a lot of time into this. They, yeah. they deserve a break. Then you're like, Oh my goodness, what do I do for two weeks? Yeah. I, I want to know the rest of the story. So it's like binging a really great show that has hundreds of hours of content.
1: It's bananas. I mean, it's really bananas. And I mean, I, and I was, I think I was all immediately very drawn to, to Liam and caleb mm. somehow like that just i yep. just was clicking and vibing with him but like ev- all of them have have like just begun to reach deep into my heart like as it's gone on and uh, yeah. and i just like it's so clear that they really that they really care and that's inspiring to to watch yeah. in terms of that you know and there are times when i'm like what are you doing like like why are you making that choice just like really you know but that's cool that's all part of it
0: yeah yeah, it's it, it's kind of, uh, and I mean, we could sit and talk about critical role for the rest of the show, and I'd be okay with that. But you you, you kind of mentioned some of the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek as far as like the type of stories they're telling, um, or even early fantasy versus modern fantasy. And if you if you ever do go back and pick up Campaign One, and which if you have time, which you don't, you should someday because yep. just skip past the first like few episodes anyway. They you can tell very much that that they were playing this for the most part. Um, you know, traditional fantasy characters, big heroes. And this, this story that they're telling now is so very grounded and gritty and nuanced. Yes. Um, As you go through, you never, you know, I could not tell you who the big bad person is because there are these shades of gray and degrees of evil. And I, and I think that's such a compelling story to tell.
1: I agree. And it's interesting because like in my games that I'm playing, you know, our, our, our groups are pretty like, we want to do, we want to do good things. We want to try to help people but it doesn't feel like we're just like superheroes. You know, we feel like people are creating characters that are interesting people and that our dynamics with each other are interesting. It's not just like, mm-hmm. da, da 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 we're like really heroic. Ha ha ha, you right. know? Um, and, and I've been really appreciating that as well. Like it's, it doesn't, it's not all one or the other. It's not like you're a lawful good character. You know, it, it, it's, 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 they're, they're people. That, are, yeah. that have all yeah. sorts of stuff going on um and I think that Caduceus in Critical Role has been an amazing amazing addition yeah. who's, who's like added so much color and texture to and and how Taliesin it like it was such a shocking upsetting I'm sure it was tr- I'm sure it was traumatic for all of them and certainly for him yeah but for him to turn that and and pour that energy into this new character and come at it with such like a grounded sense of 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 moral center. Yeah. In with these people who are a little like you know, you know, a little rough around the edges. I right. think it's been an ama- it's been it's been an incredible dynamic to see that happen.
0: I think that's a testament to not just what you can do in DD, but we'll, we'll say to Talison in particular, because Willingly choosing that role of being, I'm not even going to say the group conscious because it's much deeper than that in the show, but you know, for so many of us, like we want to, we want to throw fireballs and jump around and do stuff and say, you know what, I'm going to be the slow and intentional and uh, nuanced character who's going to call other people forward and who's going to, you know, have intentional moments of truth and insight um that that takes i mean that takes a lot of uh i don't know i think that takes a lot of intentionality and i think it's very admirable Absolutely. when you could just be the gunslinger shooting everything <laughs> yes. um you know it's, which yeah. he's done before
1: yeah yeah in my one campaign i'm, I'm playing a, in the in the non-disco i'm playing a rogue you know um and there's a paladin in the in the, in the group and you know the, we all do made our own characters and we just come together right that's how we do yeah it. and it's been really interesting to see how our characters are it's not, it's not, it's not like black and white. It's not like the paladin is right. good and the rogue is bad. Like our characters actually bonded pretty quickly in, yeah. a, in some ways, but there's still moments where like I went into a room and I, he didn't see me do it. And I like found a little chest and I stole the money and I didn't tell him about it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. That, that dynamic is interesting to me. Um, yeah, but I'm also not like mad at him if he's going to be like all righteous about something. Like I, I can, I, I'm, I'm growing to respect his, way that he's going like he he has so much integrity and i'm actually seeing that and maybe it'll change me i don't know but it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting thing
0: yeah and, and it's really great when you oh sorry go ahead
1: and I, I i tend to be pretty much like a good i try to be like a good person I, i'm not very transgressive so it's interesting to play a rogue who bends the rules and tries to like get away with stuff because that's yeah. not generally how i am in, in, in my life you know yeah yeah
0: like like we were saying kind of exploring some of that you know uh my wife would use the word gestalt of the different aspects of yourself. Yes. Um yeah. And and it's it's good too and I know that not everyone has this. So if you're in a bad D&D game, there's no there's no reason to play bad D&D. Go find a different group. Um but when you it's just that easy. Uh <laughs> but when you when you play with people who are also willing to show up authentically yeah. and and lean into that experience, like it takes it takes your game to a whole other level.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and none of us is like the kind of person who's like super weirded out about like, I have to optimize all my skills and numbers, you know, I mean, we want to do well, we want to do the right thing, but it's, sure. it's, you know, that stuff is the fun part. It's fun to, to, to have the combat and do that stuff, but we're not like, mm. no, you should do this and this. And if you do that, you're, do-. no, it's not about that. No.
0: Yeah. So if you, uh, if you ever had the opportunity to, to guest on a critical role. Yes. Yeah. You would. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be just, I, I have so many kind of notions about kind of characters that I'm interested in trying out. I, it would be one of the most interesting things would be to sit down with Matt. My understanding oh, yeah. of how he conducts that process, you know, yeah. as he talks to the guest and tries to figure yeah. out and, you know, and, and then he, he of course is informed by where in the story he's going. And so how right. he fit in
0: what element he needs to introduce. Yeah. yeah.
1: But there's so like, I really want to try my hand at all these different kinds of characters and classes and all that stuff so i, I don't I, I don't feel like i would go in like armed with i must do this to be on critical <laughs> role you know yeah. and and then just to see how it, how it fits in i mean some of the, the, the guests have been really fascinating minimally fascinating to watch and then at times like transcendent to watch mm-hmm. and what it not only what they bring to it themselves but how it affects everyone else yeah it was, it's been really special so yeah. i would be i would be thrilled and honored and and we have had a little like some nice little Twitter exchanges where, you know, in, in post-COVID times, when and if it's possible that there's like an invitation. So hopefully we can make it happen down the road. Let's keep
0: you know? speaking it into the universe. Yeah. Um, I had uh, a few months ago, I had Mark Humes on who and uh, oh, yeah. played Kalyama. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And we talked a lot about um, that experience of making the character with Matt. And, and I guess for Mark, he was flying in from like London like a day before shooting. So it was all a rush for him. But yeah, I would, I would imagine that the experience of, uh, working with Matt and kind of building that character and seeing how you're going to fit in the story would almost be as exciting as, as doing the performance in and of itself.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I like, I feel, yeah, I feel like ready to like jump in and play, like, you know, bounce off of everyone else. Like that doesn't, yeah. you know, um, but it's, it's more of a question of like, what, what, what colors would Matt and I be interested in bringing to it and why, you know, yeah. like, where like I want I want to make sure it could fit well into into the dynamics, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got a few more minutes left. Um, I know we have a few different people in chat. If you have a question, uh, feel free to drop it in in the next couple of minutes. And if you don't, that's okay too. But if you do, throw it in chat. I'll try and keep an eye on it. Um, I did want to ask you uh, before we before we close for the day how has uh, how has the time of COVID been for you as a working performer? Um, how does how has that really kind of impacted uh, your normal? you know schedule or or, or working life versus how it's been for the last gosh a year now
1: well honestly you know at the beginning we we wrapped season three right before things started shutting down so i was gonna be on hiatus anyway um so it didn't really change anything for me from a professional standpoint except Mm -hmm. that there were some um some conventions that I was really looking forward to going to because they were like in Australia and New Zealand and Germany and like getting to travel places. Yeah. Like, so, so that's like such a privileged thing for me to say. I didn't get the chance to travel around the world. You know, I'm, I should be so lucky. Um, Sure. But so, and, and, and my fiance works from home. So many aspects of our sort of daily life, they were overall different in the sense that we were only in the house, only in the apartment in New York. Yeah but it was more or less gonna be downtime. So at the same time, it was still incredibly challenging and weird to be in a world where, every, where everything changed so right. profoundly. So when we got word that we were gonna be able to go back to work because of the efforts of my union SAG-AFTRA and um, the IATSE, which is the Sage Hands Union and the, and the Crew Union and the Directors Guild, everybody put their heads and hearts together to see if there's a way that we could come back to work safely and everybody has managed to do it you know there have been a couple little things here and there with different productions but mostly the protocols are working and people are being safe and thoughtful and thorough we're getting tested frequently um and there's contact tracing all that stuff that you need to do is is happening and uh we're you know pretty much on schedule and i feel very fortunate to to be working when so many people aren't or can't i mean it's you know theater especially you know, if, yeah, theater, theater right. and concerts and dance and, you know, live, live performance. Um, but can you imagine like on the other side of this, what it's going to be like to be able to go back to theater and see like what, the, what, what it's going to feel like in those spaces again, when it's safe to do so, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. So I, you know, the, it's, it's a terrible price to pay, but I think one of the benefit, one of the, on the other side of it, there's going to be even more appreciation for our live performing artists and maybe, even more support for them.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine the emotions that will be involved when, uh, the first Broadway show back, whatever yeah. it might be. Right. And, and the number of people in, and I see, you know, in the spaces of the internet, which can be a beautiful place of communication and coming together. And also very much not that, yeah. um, you know, people like, Oh, well, these, you know, actors, you know, who cares? Like they're doing fine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look one, I don't know what actors make, so I'm not going to assume they're doing fine, but the, the absence of theater of, of, uh, concerts, impacts everyone from the performers to the stagehands, the ticket sellers, the vendors, like it's a whole industry of of people that have been hurt and need to be pulled back once we can do so safely.
1: And, you know, and the audience members that are missing out on those experiences, which are life affirming and life changing at at best. And some, you know, entertaining minimally, you know, right. Um, And they, they're important for mental health. They're important for community building. They're important in so many ways. So I'm hopeful maybe on the other side of this too, that, support for arts organizations in general might grow because there's an understanding of how vital they are to our to our communities yeah that would be fantastic well
0: let's i saw one question pop up in chat here and it was a very it's a very easy one (laughs) and the question was uh where did it go hold on hold on uh what video games do you play do you play any video
1: games yeah i haven't i kind of it's weird during pandemic time even though it was i had more time to sit in front of my ps4 and play I actually wasn't drawn to playing because i wasn't like the, the experience of stress involved in playing sometimes which can be kind of cathartic i sure. didn't want to feel that i didn't want to feel any more sort of like anxiety for a while so i didn't play for a while but just recently i was like okay i, think, I feel like i'm ready again so i just mm-hmm. played neo which okay is kind of like in the souls Get like i love yeah. bloodborne i love dark souls yeah um demon souls uh so neo is in that vein and it's really really well done it's really fun and so i've been playing that a lot um more most recently but like some of my all-time favorites are the mass effect games and the batman arkham games and uh yeah. limbo um Limbo's borderlands good. games are super fun um yeah stuff like that
0: i i tried because i still haven't finished last of us the first one i tried to play it at the beginning of the pandemic which was a mistake no. Which was a mistake, and I haven't gone back to it. So maybe now that I've had almost a
1: year, I can try again. The Last of Us is one of the most incredible... Like, if that had been a film, it would Mm -hmm. have been one of the best films I've seen in the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. You know, the the performances in that are incredible. But it is really intense. And I would not have recommended playing that game in the pandemic. And that's why I haven't played Last of Us 2 yet. I just yeah. like that feels a little too much. So I'm not, you
0: know. Yeah, I actually am in the middle of reading uh, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, oh. which also, as, as a parent of a young child in the middle of a pandemic, I was like, well, this is, this is a little much, but at this point I have to finish it, so I'm going to finish oh it. Goodness. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's heavy. Yeah. Um, one more. Okay, uh, we got two more questions in here. I'll toss them to you, and then we'll, uh, we'll do a little outro. But... Um, fluffy and hey hats off to fluffy she is a mod and a supporter of the oh. patreon at patreon.com slash rule for persuasion uh fluffy asks what would you describe your perfect role slash dream role as as a performer or have you had it already
1: well i mean it's a funny thing I, w- I would never have thought that a dream role would be you know a documentary filmmaker and a rock musical but that turned out to be a dream role and yeah. or, or nor a my co- astromycologist on a star trek show that's a dream role um, I got to do a small version of Hamlet, which was the dream role. Um, so there's, there's some of the classic roles that I would love to get a chance to do more of that kind of stuff. Like some of the big Shakespeare, I would love to play Iago and Shakespeare in, yeah. in Othello. Yeah. Um, but then there's just stuff that hasn't been written yet. So it's like, I don't That's know, a cool come up with yeah. some cool stuff and we'll see, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I've been very, very fortunate. with a lot of the roles I've gotten to play. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think people ever think of that when you ask that question, like, oh, what's what's the dream? They always look backwards, like, what's a role that has existed already that I could do? I love that idea of, like, what hasn't been written yet yeah. that might be amazing, that might inspire you or that you might fit into? Um, last question here before we before we take the show out. Um, and this kind of touches on the COVID thing, but specifically, how's filming Discovery uh, now during COVID? Um, what's changed? I don't know what all you can talk about since it's an ongoing ongoing thing, but... You did mention it's been pretty good. The, the unions have been on top of
1: it. Yeah, I mean, we feel very safe and very well taken care of. Um, you know, it's, it's a little strange to have masks on so much of the time when we're on set together because mm-hmm. we, we have to and it's what, what's needed. But, you know, we're, we're very close cast and crew. So that barrier does, it feel, you know, we've gotten used to it now months into the shooting, but it, it, it's certainly discombobulating to be in an yeah. environment where we ordinarily feel so close and so safe to have that reminder. But again, we are really, really, really privileged to be able to be working at this time and to be so well taken care of and, and, uh, to have the protocols be as, as full and, 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 uh, thorough as they are. That's awesome.
0: Well, I think we have, we've come to the end of this part of the show, but as those of you who listen know, as some of you in chat know, cause you got my back on Patreon and I appreciate it. Um, I do a special bonus segment with my guests that I call the zone of truth. Cause I had to make up a name on the fly in the middle of an episode. And that's what I came up with. Um, but that's basically after we finished the, uh, the Twitch stream right now, I'll hang out with Anthony. We're going to chat for maybe 10 or 15 more minutes. And I'm going to ask him to tell me about just something that he is into or excited about um, a hobby, probably that doesn't have to do with, with D and D or theater or acting. And uh, I don't know what it's going to be, but um, you get that fully uncut section uh, in your, podcast feed when you're a patreon supporter so if you go to patreon.com slash role for persuasion you can help make this show happen and you get access to an awesome back catalog now it's like 60 50 or 60 episodes now of uh, of prior guests that you can go listen to their special segments from and um you help me you know pay for things that cost money to make this show happen which i appreciate and you help support other creators because anytime somebody backs me on patreon i try and go find someone else to support because I think that's important that we all support each other. So, if you feel like doing that, you can go to patreoncom persuasion and support the show there. Um, Anthony, and a- anything else that you've got going on that you want to share? Where can people find you online if they don't know where you are
1: already? Um, uh, albino Kid on Twitter and Albino Kid ten twenty six on Instagram. And um, you know, the other cool thing that I have coming up in the summer is uh, I've got a short story that I wrote that's going to be in part of an anthology of. Uh, Modern writers riffing on or doing takes on aspects of the Arthurian legend through lenses, including like LGBTQ lenses or people of color lenses, different cultural lenses, using the the Arthurian legends as a jumping off point. And I was one of the authors that was asked to participate in that. And I was really honored to be a part of that. And I'm excited that the publication is coming up. I think it's June or July of this year. It's called Swordstone Table.
0: That's cool. That, that's very
1: awesome. Thank very you.
0: exciting. We didn't even get to talk about writing. So we'll have to do this again sometime. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining. Um, it has uh, The time has really flown by. It has been such a joy for me um, to get to meet someone who has been so inspirational on, on my life and on the things that I enjoy. And getting to chat about nerdy stuff with you has been a pleasure. Um, like I said, we will keep going in just a few minutes for the podcast version. So check that out if you feel so inclined. Thank you for everyone who joined us on Twitch. If you're watching this later on YouTube, if you're listening in a podcast, I appreciate that uh, for whatever reason you decided that my little vanity project is something that you feel like giving some of your time to. So thank you so much. Uh, If you want to follow the show, you can check me out at Roll Persuasion on Twitter. You can check me out on Instagram, but I don't post anything there. So it will probably be a waste of time, but I'm very active on Twitter. If you enjoy occasionally very angry uh, political rants about Ted Cruz, feel free to come by because I've got plenty of them for you. Um, but I also talk about DD. So check me out there. I appreciate you guys watching. And until next time, guys, make sure that you enjoy your games.